We play a game on here called Start Bench Cut. Start Bench Cut. Who would you start? Who would you bench? Who would you cut? Patrick Ewan, Lonzo Morning. Oh my God. Shaquille O'Neal. No, I'm not answering this question. You know what it means. You know what it means, bro. I'm not answering this question. I refuse to answer this question. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Live on location. Me and D Miles are here in Orlando, staying our ass at home and safe. We got a very special guest by way of the Congo. We got the pride of the Congo. We got Mr. No, No, No himself coming to us live and direct from ATL, shawty. We got the Kimbe Mutombo Hall of Fame pulling up with us, y'all. And if you play around, he gonna slap it up out of there. Appreciate you coming through with us, big OG. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. You grew up in Congo, and you, you started soccer and martial arts first. Like, what was that like? Yes. Uh, because there was nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those was the two sports that was available in my neighborhood. Yeah. The closest basketball court in the neighborhood was an hour by bus. Yeah. Whoa. From where I grew up. So... You have to catch the minibus for an hour for you to just get to the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to go there like around 5 or 7 or 6 o'clock and you don't get home like until like 10 p.m. And it was too dangerous to work on the neighborhood. Yeah. And my father uh, did it like that. Yeah. So you didn't start, you didn't find, like really start playing basketball till 16. How did, how did that come about for you? No, my brother was playing for the national team. Mm-hmm. And, wow. uh, he was a big star in the country. He was a team captain. Uh, everybody knew about my brother. And uh, every time I would be walking around and go to his game, people would ask him, why your youngest brother doesn't play? He's taller mm-hmm. than you. Yeah. And my brother would be like, yeah, leave him alone. Yeah. So <laughs> I was so skinny. And I was not strong enough. Yeah. So people kind of left me alone, man. <laughs> what was it about basketball that you wanted to just keep on going with that, that you fell in love with? Uh, I really didn't like basketball for a long time. You know, I watched my brother playing when I was young. I always felt that basketball was too violent. Mm. Uh, People was always crashing to each other. You go to the basketball, somebody hits you, or you try right. to the basket. But with soccer, you kick the ball and you rest. Yeah. And nobody's kicking you, nobody's pushing <laughs> you up. So all you have to do is just run. So that was fine. And then martial art, it was so easy. You just go to the training every day. And in the day of the competition, that the day you go to fight. Uh, that's the reason why I did like those two sports so good. Yeah. John Thompson is a coach that I always wanted to play for. Like, 
Like, he's my favorite college coach. Like, if he was still coaching, like, I don't even know how I would have got <laughs> past John Thompson. He came, if he came talk to me, I'm talking about I've been sold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you got the opportunity to go to Georgetown, be with John Thompson, and uh, the history that was there before you. You know what I'm saying? So yes. How was it trusting John Thompson and, and, and being part of that Georgetown program? You know, um, you know, when I came to Georgetown, I didn't come in a basketball scholarship. So mm. I, I landed on campus as a regular student. I didn't know that. Wait, so, wait, I, I never knew that. that. So you, you, yeah, wait, wait. So, <laughs> so you weren't recruited to I go there by the. I was not like you guys, man. You wow. guys were too lucky, man. Yo, this is, this is breaking this. news for they me right now. This, this is, yes, I no, found so. that out in 2000 right now. I just found <laughs> They need to know this. Yes, I was not recruited. Uh, I did get the U.S. government scholarship to come study medicine at Georgetown. So mm. I have excelled so well as a student when I was in high school. Uh, I, I got a grant scholarship to come to United States. So I was offered like a six or seven scholarship. It was uh, Georgetown, Kentucky, Syracuse, Indiana State, uh, St. John. There was like another school. Yeah. But my father was making sure that I go somewhere, I don't get lost. Where I have a family member or there's somebody that we know. Yeah. So, by me growing up and being a Christian and being a Protestant, there were so many missionaries. So my father was asking some of the American missionaries in Congo if they can uh, be like my godparents and look after me when I came to America. So then we ended up finding out that I did have a cousin who was a cardiovascular heart surgeon living in Washington, D.C. with mm. his wife. And my father was like, oh, my God. Perfect. We got a deal. Yeah. You will go to D.C. so you can have somebody look after you. Yeah. And the only scholarship I have close to D.C. was Georgetown. My father said, okay, you go to Georgetown then. Oh. And end up to be in a big, big, big story. How well? How did how, did how did John Thompson approach you? Like, like this, this, this. How did you oh, learn? Oh, knew trust when you? I was coming. When I was coming, the embassy told the uh, the school that there's a kid very, very tall. He want to study science, but he's coming by himself in his own scholarship. He's paying for his own ticket to Georgetown, and the U.S. government is supporting him. So when I get there. Uh, a couple of days later, they say uh, the coach or basketball team would love to meet with you because everybody was asking me, how come you are not a basketball team? Like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a basketball player. But uh, they end up taking me to meet Coach Thompson. And uh, by the time he saw me, he did like me. And uh, I was so scared when I met him. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Who's this guy? And uh, a year later, I have to wait for a year. A year later, they asked me to play 
if I can join the basketball team. So I joined the basketball team my sophomore year. Mm. Can you imagine that? Man, that's that crazy. Is, that is amazing. That's I never knew crazy. that. I, I thought you were like recruited from like, you know, from over there. <laughs> No. And that's that. I mean, then it does make me think, though. This is well before any basketball without borders and the the, the program no. that you that you kind of helped usher in the place. Was, where, it was more academic. Yeah. So right, I think that my study that what made me come to America. Mm-hmm. I always want to come to America since I was young, since I was like in third grade. Yeah. I used to tell my dad we should go to America. <laughs> yeah. So, so that just speaks volumes about uh, about how how you how well you were doing academically to get a scholarship, yes. not just a scholarship from Congo to America, but to Georgetown, which yes. is a, you mean people that's going on bad athletic scholarship. That's one of the hardest schools to qualify for academically. So that just speaks volumes about where you were as far as academic. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Nah, for real. Say so, somebody like you have Alonzo Morning there at Georgetown, like. What did his friendship and him mean to you, a player that's, you know, he's, he was the man in high school in America. He, he was true. the man. Yeah. He was yeah. yeah. How was that meeting him? The U.S. national team. Yeah. He was the last guy. Yeah. And, uh, I love the man, man. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's a great friend, great roommate. We have a, a great time at Georgetown. And, uh, I give Joe, uh, Alonzo Morning so many credits. I always say, I would have not becoming the Kemi Mutombo I am today if I didn't have someone like Alonzo Morning that I can compete against every, every day. given nine practice. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, Miles, I was. I was fufu, man. I was horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, my freshman year, I was awful, man. Yeah. Uh, but Coach Thompson was like, I want you to go there and guard Alonso Mori. Do whatever mm-hmm. you can do, make sure that he doesn't score in practice. Mm-hmm. So that what made me better. That was your to goal. To play against the guy who was already a superstar. Yeah, yeah. And that helped your games like miles ahead. It made you better, better every day. Yes. Straight up. Straight up. That's love. Right so there. so so while you set out your freshman year, what did you do? Did you play anything? Did you play play like just work out on your own? Or, or how did you, you know, prepare? Like when you said you had to sit out, but you knew that they were kind of yes, interested uh, in you. I'm glad you asked me that question. I used to go play pickup game uh, with a regular student. You know, everybody would like, be like 5'2", like and I'd be 7'3", and uh, I'd be dunking on everybody. He out there, hey, man, he out there, with the, he, he out there with the intramurals crowd, player club, the intramurals team, and he's 7'3". I'll tell you what, if you click on YouTube, there's a, there's a video on the Mutombo freshman year play. Oh, oh, man, we got to find that. Team got to find that. Yeah, we got to put that up. We got to put that up. You uh you you did a summer, summer intern at the US Congress. You know what I'm saying? Like how many students do that? The World Bank. Like that's like that's who does that? Like 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 usually the student do that, not no student athletes. You know what I'm saying? And that's big. Uh, Tell us about that experience though. Oh uh, I love political science. I love politics. 
because when I was coming up at Georgetown, I was not 100% sure that I would be going to the NBA. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was trying to prepare myself to have something to back me up in case basketball doesn't succeed. I can go work at the World Bank or go work at the State Department. Uh, it was something I really did enjoy. At, uh, I was so happy to have those jobs. And uh, the university, you have a good connection with all those institutions. And they have a great platform. They allowed uh, mostly basketball players to work in Capitol Hill. So it was great. Tell me, at what point, like you say, you know, freshman year, you you just got there, you weren't playing basketball, you were just playing with the intramural team, then sophomore year, you get introduced to the team, and you like, you terrible, you know what I'm saying, you're trying to figure it out, so for you, at what point did it kind of start to click, where it was like, okay, I'm kind of figuring out this game, and I'm figuring, it, it was, everything was new, but I'm kind of figuring out basketball, and then, Everybody else started to see. Like, when did you see how Coach Thompson started to look at you different and then your game started to trend? Like, when did you start to see that I'm getting pretty good at this? Oh, uh, I think it was um, late February or March 1989. Um, it was a game that we played against St. John. It was the biggest. Uh, Saturday game, it was on CBS. Big East. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, hey Richardson, I used to average only three to five minutes a game. That's what Coach Thompson would give it to me. And uh, Alonzo Money would play 36 minutes. That yeah. tell you how bad I was. <laughs> so one day against Central, Alonzo just got beat up and he got in a foul trouble. And uh, he, I think he picked up like a three foul in the first half. And the coach Thompson just looked behind the bench, he called, Africa, Africa, come here. <laughs> 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 he like, like, I didn't have no name. The only thing he does is say, okay, my African player. He said, yeah, Africa, come here. So... I walk in, I was so excited. He said, hey, I don't want you to score. I don't want you to shoot. All I want you to is block, uh, shot, and rebound, rebound like you do against Alonzo Morning in practice. Mm -hmm. You know what, yeah. guys? I went to the game. Alonzo was sitting on the bench. After 19 minutes, I broke the NCAA record, 12 block shots. Straight up. Um, everything. And everybody was like, everybody was like, who's this guy, coach? Who and he is hasn't he? been playing at all. He hasn't been he playing has at all. Been playing. Where did you get him from? Thompson <laughs> was like, that was my secret. I was hiding him. Yeah. And uh, I think that's when Dikembe Mutombo was born. That's when everybody across the U.S. start asking questions, who's that kid? And uh, I'm becoming uh, one of the different forces uh, in the NCAA. That's what's up. That's awesome. When you, uh, when you decided to go to the draft and when you heard like you had the opportunity to make it to the NBA, like you said, I, 
going into this, I didn't think, but three years later, it's like you a hot commodity. Yes. What, what was that feeling like to hear that the NBA, the, the biggest league ever, wants you to play in their league? I couldn't believe it. Um, I give credit uh, to Patrick Ewing because when Patrick was in the NBA, every summer he would come to Georgetown like for four months on campus, just work out with me and Alonzo Morning, take us uh, outside. We would train like five to seven hours a day, three hours in the morning, four hours in the afternoon. And uh, he was like, guys, if you want to make it to the NBA, this is what you need to do. You got to go in the morning, three hours, lift the weight, and do all the cardio, come back in the afternoon, go to the soccer field, do a couple running on a soccer field, and go play basketball for three more hours. And uh, they paid for And play out in it like... Was a great Y'all, y'all three are the greatest centers ever to play this game and to like just that. get that experience. Like y'all gotta guard each other. Y'all not only y'all working out, <coughs> y'all gotta guard each other. So I could just imagine the block shots, the elbows, the bumping. It was, like, it was fight every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope, man. Y'all, I uh, enjoy it, man. I enjoyed those days, man. I enjoyed it. Tell me how accomplished did you feel as far as as far as basketball for you as far as getting to your senior year and everything you know the the momentum is building around you but but you get to your senior year and Coach Thompson names you the captain of the team for you to come from a, a, a from a freshman that wasn't even recruited for <laughs> basketball you know what I'm saying you just here and then you you get thrown into this whole whirlwind and then you know three years later. Here you are established. You are, you know what I'm saying? The, the, you got the NBA calling, the, you know, obviously the NCAA calling. You are all American and different things. And now you're the captain of the team. Like, how did that feel for you? As you say, oh, first me, I was terrible. When I first got there, I was terrible. Yes. Now you see yourself as I'm established, I'm getting better, and, and I could possibly have a career in this. Oh, uh, I was lucky. You know, all over my life, I was surrendered by good teachers, good mentors, um, people that I look as a father figure to me, uh, people who make sure that I didn't get in trouble, people who make sure that uh, I, I was doing what I supposed to be doing, uh, I was not going crazy, I was not staying on the street. I, all I had to do just listen to them. And uh, those are the promise I made myself to Coach Thompson. I will do what you're asking me to do. And as long as you lead me to the promised land. And uh, Coach used to say that it's a son. You do what I tell you to do. You will get there. And uh, those messages were sticking on my head. And I didn't want to let it go. I was making sure that I just keep working hard. And then when he called me as a team captain my senior year, I was like, oh, God. This is a boy from Africa, from Congo, came to America with a different mindset. And now you're playing basketball. And then you start playing basketball and you were not even good. Now you get called to becoming a team captain. And you got more than 14 guys who look after you every day as a leader. 
there was a lot of responsibility. And uh, I think it was a test for me to show Coach Thompson that I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready for the responsibility that I'm about to have. And uh, it felt so good, man. I really enjoyed it. Did you think you was going to get drafted by anybody else? You, did you think you knew it was the Denver Nuggets, or did you think you maybe was going to go somewhere else? Uh, good question. Good question. Uh, <laughs> I really want to go to Denver, personally. Uh -huh. I think uh, the reason I really want to go to Denver because Bernie Bickerstaff, who Bernie was the general manager uh, for the Denver Nuggets, he was the only guy who came to see me more than anybody yeah. during the regular season. He came to my practice at Charleston to see me. He came to few of my games on the road to see me, uh, just making sure that I was developing to the top of the basketball player that everybody was talking about. He was just trying to know me much better. And uh, when I found out that Devin Nugget was on a top five a team to pick me, I was like, okay, I don't need to go to New Jersey. If I get picked by Charlotte, I'll be happy to go to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But I knew that their heart was an MJ, man, Larry. It was an Larry Johnson. So they was going to pick up grandma. They was not looking at me like, uh, right. no, DK is our guy. The general manager of Charlotte, he was not sure that uh, I was the one he was looking for. He said, no, DK I'm sorry. I like Larry Johnson so much. I think I'm going to pick him up. Even though you are good, but we're going to pick Larry Johnson. I was like, fine. Yeah. When I knew Charlotte was about to pick Larry Johnson, I told New Jersey, I told Sacramento, I said, hey, don't pick me up because I'm not coming. Let me go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. See, see. I OG, did, you get the, OG, you get to make those moves when you got the proper representation, right? You got the yes. proper representation to, to, to express your and true feelings you in the right son, way. You got David Fuck. I have a big weight with me. And uh, <laughs> I went to visit uh, New Jersey for two days, but I told them I'm not coming. I said, I just came to visit, but I'm, I don't want to be here. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, try to enjoy the sights, take this good visit. Oh, uh, so you just you 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 knew who you wanted, and that's where where you going? You made your mind up. <laughs> you yes, I said I want to go to the Colorado Rocky. I want to go to the Rocky. Yes. So when you when you got to Denver, Denver is a beautiful place, man. Summertime, I know I you see up that, that winter, but when you see this summertime, man, Denver is a beautiful place. Man, man. it's beautiful all season. I enjoy living <laughs> there, man. I, waking up in the morning, looking at your windows and see all the mountain, man. Yeah, I miss How, that. that how how was that for you coming from coming from well you I guess yeah being in Georgetown you got this how was that for you when you got to Georgetown to see all of the snow? Oh, it was crazy. You should see this. <laughs> Their first day on campus, I think it was like uh, late September. 
we did have a snow in DC. Out of nowhere, everybody came to knock on my windows. Africa, Africa. <laughs> 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 So, I didn't have no gloves. I didn't have. Um, I didn't have no boots. I didn't have no uh, winter coat. It was bad, man. I was broke. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, man. I was broke. Oh yeah, oh, we, we know. know. <laughs> Wait, so, when you when you got when you got to the league, you defense was the immediate impact. You you impact the league right away with your defense and. Like you say, John Thompson said, I don't want you to do nothing but rebound the block shots. And you definitely did that, was, that right away. Yes. But it got when you was there, did it get to the point where you start seeing all these superstar players? And you like, yeah, if y'all bring that shit up in here, I'm beating that shit up. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Then you had people, you had people on your list that you was you definitely wanted to get. Who were some of the people that was on your list when you first started getting out there? He was like, I'm finna get, I'm gonna get his ass. Um, I think uh, Michael was there. You know, Michael was really on the top of the world back then. Uh, for me, just looking at to play against Michael was a big success. Akim Alajuan and uh, David Robinson being in the West Coast. I have a beautiful, beautiful rookie years, man. Yeah. As you look All at star. All yeah. star. Yeah. How many rookies, how many rookies do you know that come in the league and dominate the NBA defensively? Yeah. On the rookie year. Um, there's only few. Yeah. So I was lucky to be among those uh, elite class. Uh, I set up my goal. Do you know why I got to that point? You can't give the credit to Bill Russell. Mm. Couple of weeks before the season stopped, Bill Russell came in DC to spend uh, three days with me. Just walk around with me. I didn't, I didn't say that he took me to the basketball court. He just came in. He said, no. I don't have no time to show you nothing in the basketball court. Cole Thompson did that already. Patrick mm -hmm. Ewing is did that already. You and I are going to take a walk. You have breakfast, you have lunch together, and you have dinner. And we're just going to talk. He said, I want to get inside your head. I want to mm -hmm. see, are you ready for the next level? And I want to know what is missing so I can tell you. So, we spent about two days and a half, and we talk, we talk, we walk. And he told me there's two things you can do in the NBA, and everybody will remember you. More than the people who score 50 points and 40 points. He said, Kemba, you go there, you get more than 12 or 15 rebounds again, and more than three to five blocks at a time. You will be remembered as one of the most defensive players that played this game. And you will win everything. I trust the man. Because yeah. do you know what? Because he has 11 ring and 10 fingers. Hey, yeah. I cannot beat that. 
That's the blueprint right there. Yes. It really helped me so lot. It helped me. I, I always tell, I always say that my mental toughness of playing the game defensively came from Coach Thompson, who played with Bill Russell, and who invited Bill Russell to also talk to me to give me something. So I did have a combination of the two guys. Yeah. Tell me this, how, how how did you feel? Like you you come in, like you say, you one of the few rookies, you dominate the league defensively, you make all-star team. Me and D can remember all this, by the way. We kids watching all this happening, like, man, this dude came out of nowhere. But like, so 1993, how, did, how does it feel when you, like you say, you a kid from Congo, Yes. Grew up poor, didn't even have really shoes all the time, and now Adidas tell you shoes they all the time. There was no shoes, period. <laughs> I used to wear my brother tennis shoes to go to school. I was yeah. wearing size 15, and my brother was wearing 12, and I had to cut the front of his shoes so my toes can slap up so I can go to school, man. Uh, that was that was man. just them new sandals. Them, them new sandals, they didn't know about them. <laughs> hey, you they was ahead of your time. Tell them, tell them, hey, Yeezy ain't have nothing on you. You've been doing this. <laughs> oh, but, man. I but, come but, from long way, man. Trust me, I come from long and, way. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like you now you now you get to ninety three and you get you get a, a, a big time company, you get a you get a, 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 a Adidas company you saying that we wanna make a, a give you your own shoe. Like what is that? Like how does what are you thinking when you find that out? Like I'm about to get my own shoe. Like one, you a oh. center. They the centers don't even get shoes. <laughs> Like centers don't even like you. You get not so, only that you. So what you trying to say? Center are not part of the NBA. No, <laughs> I think um, I think Patrick Ewing was one of the big center to have his own shoes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when I came, I kind of followed that path a little yeah. bit. I was lucky. Uh, <laughs> I did that. Walk to me was like. We want to create a suit for you. I said, shoes. I was like, okay, what are you going to call it? They said, we're going to call it Mamutombo. I said, Mamutombo shoes. I said, mm, that sounds cool. And uh, it, it, it was a good success, man. For somebody who came from Africa, who didn't dream so much about playing the game, yeah. and the game came to you, and I end up embracing the game. And uh, I took serious in the game to becoming successful. So everything that was coming, I knew that I deserved. Mm. And then, yeah, that was dope, man. Yeah. I remember when they came out, they had the African, the, the, the colors, and the, and the, and the, and the different The blueprint, yes. yeah. Yeah, it was like, yeah. It was like these, they was unique on so many yeah. levels. And it was, that, that was, that was a, a capsule right there. In 94, Y'all make the playoffs. AC, yes. y'all just get in, get in the door. Y'all playing the Supersonics. Y'all playing Rain Man and the Glove. You know, all I remember, and they still show this highlight to this day, is when you grab that last rebound. The joy, oh, the joy in your face. The joy in your face is that's what basketball is all about. Like that's yes. that's that's, that's um, it was seen like it was so much hard work and so much accomplished, so much of you believing that y'all can actually do it and beat this this number one seed, something that haven't been done. You know what I'm saying? So 
How did that feel, that moment, that series? Like, how was that? When did y'all believe that, oh, shit, we could fuck around and get them for real? Uh, <laughs> you know what? We was playing against one of the best teams in the NBA back then. And there was a team that had won more than 69 oh, games yeah. from the regular season. So we were considered as a team that was going to get swapped. Yeah. But yeah. after the second game, uh, our coach, Dan Iso, who played also for the Denver Nuggets, someone that I admire so much, gave us a wonderful speech in the locker room. He said, guys, you guys got nothing to lose. You deserve to be here. We don't lose. People will be proud of you for making the playoff. Nobody didn't think the Denver Nuggets was going to make the playoff. Yeah. But you're already here. All you have to do is just go out there, do whatever you have to do, and leave everything on the basketball court. He said, guys, I'm so proud of you guys. If you lose the game, I'm still going to be proud of you. If you win, I'm going to be much proud of you. Just let go out and fight. And five minutes before the game start, the ball boy walked in the locker room, told us that the Seattle Supersonic, you have checked out from the hotel, and uh, the pilot and the flight attendant are already in the airport. They are leaving after the game. Then Iso was like, what? <laughs> we got two hours to play the basketball game and these people already check out. So they're going to kick our ass and they're going to oh, go home. Yeah. That's when the fire went so high in the locker room. Everybody was like, we are going there to fight. If we're going to die on the court, we are going to die on the court. And that's what made us to kill them. That's awesome, man. That's 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 crazy. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Now y'all kick their ass, and now they in history of y'all kicking their ass did. and going home. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And uh, beating them on game five, it was one of the emotional feeling that any player can have in that moment. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think the ball was going to come my way. <laughs> but I was lucky to grab the last rebound. Yeah. And uh, when the when the clock just went on, I was like, oh my God, we are gone. This shit so, feel good. <laughs> this feel good. We won one. Not yes. only did we get barely get in here, we beat the number yes, one seed. Y'all fucked up the playoffs that year. <laughs> Y'all <laughs> fucked up the playoffs that year. Everybody looking at Seattle like they kicked ass all year, and y'all shut that yes. shit down. That shit was crazy. We almost got like, Utah. Yes. Yeah. Remember, we almost yeah. got Utah in the second round. We lost in game seven. Yeah. Uh, after yeah. they beat us three games straight, we came back, yeah. we beat them three times straight. Yeah. And we lost in game seven. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> Knowing what Denver means to you, when they didn't sign you back, how did that feel? What was that feeling like when, when the team, you was like, I could play here forever, I'm here. I'm cool with where I'm at. But you know, the, and you, and, 
the business of, of, of basketball, you know, the politics, the part we don't really want to talk about or really get too much deep into, it, it always come into everybody's career to play this game. To, to, for and you was, you was coming off defensive player of the year that year too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how, um, how, <laughs> uh, I was heartbroken. It took me five or six years to recover. Really? Because mm. I was their franchise. The team was not doing well before I got there. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I came in, we started winning. We made the playoffs and we made the playoffs again. And I ended up winning defense player of the year twice. And I ended up making the all-star game three times. So I knew that I had become the face of their franchise. So their franchise need me to keep moving forward. Then when I got, when I didn't get a call about coming back, I was like, what happened to me here? Was a man not good enough to be somebody different I get? And um, I get a call the next day that uh, Atlanta Hawks was offering me more money than anybody. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Atlanta. But uh, it was a long healing moment to leave Denver. But uh, you know, as you say, Mars, it's part of the business, man. It's part of politics. We cannot get on this. They shake your hands today. The next day they say, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you really know the, the, the meaning of the word business, fucking with them. <laughs> <laughs> so so wait, so Denver never even alphaed a contract? They never even did anything? No. Just, they didn't even call me to come sit down and talk mm. to ask me, what do you want? They wow. was like, we're not going to sign you. On the last day, when we lost the last game, right away there was an article on the newspaper, the Nuggets are not going to sign the Kemi Mutom. Before even the season was uh, finished, mm. I was like, I don't know what the media is talking about. This is my town. I'm not going nowhere. Straight up. Myself, I was like, I'm not going nowhere because I just got married that year and then we built a new home. My wife and I built a beautiful home in Denver. So we just lived in a house like for six months. So I was so excited. And uh, next time I knew, they was like, oh, you're not coming back. So I had to sell the house and ship everything out. It's part of the business, man. We can shake hands, but it's business, nothing personal. Like you said, though, G, like it's crazy. You you say, because I was in the same scenario. I had just signed a, uh, I signed my six-year deal with Phoenix. Yes. And same scenario, like I'm renting the house for this for the whole year because I had built the house. I had a house built, so I'm watching. Yes. Like they had they had put me like in a little rental house for that year. So every day coming home to and from price, I'm looking at the crib, looking at the house getting built. Crazy big crib. Crib get completed. I get traded. Like literally, I get traded the week before they fill my pool up. 
I was so hurt and like I don't know. I think I was more hurt about not getting to live in the crib than really getting traded. But it was but it was like you said. The fans don't know that. NBA fans don't know that. They don't know what we go through emotionally. Oh, they say, oh, he got trade. But they forgot that we got wife and kids. We have to move. We gotta go look for a school. We gotta look for a house. We gotta, oh God. <laughs> you get you get Atlanta off you the, the contract. They give you the biggest contract yes. out of everybody. And now you there, and it's a guy named Steve Smith who's a dog. Smitty. OG He's Smitty. a dog and, and oh, trained. Yeah. <laughs> trained to go. Get there, y'all. Back-to-back 50 wins. Like, the success yes. was even. It was a different caliber team than it yes. was when you was just in Denver. Y'all was starting off, and y'all was growing to be good. But now it's like y'all got two efficient superstars that's ready to go we supposed to be good no doubt so how was that just getting to Atlanta and you like no oh I got Steve Smell we got pieces we can win games oh it was different coming from the Denver to Atlanta because first I start with the coach we did have Lenny Walton Mm-hmm. One of the Man. greatest coaches in the NBA history. Yeah, One of yeah. the winning coaches in the NBA history. Yeah. Great man, great father figure. Then I was surrounded by so many great players, great men, great veterans, guys who've been in the league more than five years, seven years. So guys who understand the game properly, they know what it's like to win every given night. I think that's the reason why we did have success here mm. in Atlanta. To, so to, to win in Atlanta, and I know like Atlanta is a, a black <laughs> city. It's a, a black shoddy. All the black You're not African in Atlanta. You black. You 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 more than African. You just like you want that's Wakanda. That's Wakanda. What you talking about? That's Wakanda. When I came to Atlanta, man, on the first day I was standing, I took a drive outside. I was like, oh, I felt like I was home. Yeah. I didn't think I was in America. I thought I was in Africa, man. Yeah. That's what kind of man. I was like, oh my God, my people are here. How did, <laughs> how, did, so good. how did the how did you feel how the Atlanta Fans like embraced you. You know what I'm saying? This this is Matumbo's town right here. Like anything dealing with Atlanta. You're in the, in the airport hall. when you landed. When, when you land in the airport, you see the Kimbe. When you coming up that, going up yeah. that airplane, say this is yeah, yeah. this is my airport. Sure, you feel me? <laughs> how, how did it feel to have them peep your people? You see more of your kind, more of your color. Like it's rooting for you, and and you representing your that type of town. I felt so good. Our friends are good, man. Um, it was a big change. You knew you were in the NBA, but the people that you were looking from left and right are the same people who look just like you, mm, who yes. have done so well in life, who are successful, who work so many, so work hard, they're doctors, nurses, lawyers, CEOs. It kind of inspire you a little bit. You wish you can see so many places like this in America. And I felt like I was fit. And I look at my wife, I say, 
We are staying here for the rest of our life. We don't go nowhere. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. No, Atlanta is definitely one of the one of the cities where 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 black excellence is on yes. full display yeah. all the time. Like from like you said, whether it's whatever field, whatever whether it's nursing, doctors, like like you say, I I, I fly in there all the time to do to work for Turner and stuff like that. Yes. Like, you know, you flying in first class, like you, you get, you, sometimes I give myself that little chuckle because you see <laughs> all type of different of us in first class. Like, so, yes. seriously though, like it be, it could be whatever. It could be the, the super, super button up business type. You might see a, a young kid looking super hip hop, but like they, it's like all walks of us. We 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 in first class. We flying. You know what I'm saying. We not in the back of the plane or nothing like that. Like like you said, it's success and it's black excellence. You see us in big houses, owning stuff, owning businesses there, yes. doing things and like yeah. And then, then I love the fact that in Atlanta, that a lot like they come together a lot. They come to let like, y'all do. come together and do a lot. And, and that's a lot of business group there. Other yeah, people yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah, and it's us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's doing it. Straight the fans up. you see in the sand is a. So it's especially with to... especially with all these things going on now. Yeah. You have to <laughs> yeah. find your <laughs> You have to find your fit. So in Atlanta, but, go ahead, Q. Now I was gonna say the other thing about Atlanta though, like when you go to the games, they yes. have they have probably the closest experience that we want to go to every time, like out of every arena. Like I saw the whole thing come up when they were talking about the our experience is too black and all of that stuff. But like, yes. it's because that's what it is. When you go to that game, you I'm telling you, when I was removed from playing, I'm co- I'm, I'm I'm on the bench with with the Pistons and stuff. Yes. And we got to Detroit, you know. It's like now I'm kind of unplugged from being like locked in to play, and it's like you looking around, and it's like yo. Like this is crazy. Like it's like it's kind of like yo. Like we, this, it felt like Zoe Summer Groove or something instead of just like you know what I'm saying. Like it didn't just feel. It was like yo, you looking around. It's like you see, you might see Ti or you know Luda or somebody. Yes. Like, it's two chains and it's just like and then they performing at halftime and it was like yo, this is cracking. Like they then they DJ up in there. He playing all our music. They the stuff, the effects and stuff is like us. It was like you, you, you feel it. Yeah. You feel the culture. Beautiful place, man. Beautiful place. I know y'all been here so much, man. Beautiful city. <laughs> the, I so, love being here. So in Atlanta, you know, y'all made the playoffs, but y'all just couldn't really get over that hump. You see, uh, Philadelphia. That, that damn Chicago, man. Damn I was just about Chicago. to say, I was just about to say, this is a particular hump you're speaking of. I didn't of. want to say that. I didn't want to say that. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, you know we ain't uh, here for that. But you can. Mars, that damn Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that guy in Chicago, number 23, that guy. <laughs> that guy, man. He had 45 one time and came back and got, <laughs> got loose. But hey, hey, wait. So this is the question I want to ask. Speaking to him, because we all saw it on the last dance where you was talking your trash, say, Michael ain't got me. He ain't got me. And then what was the reaction when he got you? Like, it wasn't one of his one of his worst or crazy. You could, no. you could, at least you could say that it wasn't it was like sneaky. one of the it nasty posts. It was, like, it was, it was like a little sneaky. But. How did it feel when he when you turned and he said this to you? I said, "Oh, look at you oh, know me. God. I'm a kid. We went crazy." I said, "Oh, Michael got him. He got him. He waved the finger." <laughs> the Almighty Matumbo is Michael. I tell you what, 
Michael talk about that moment until today. Every time I run up to it, they be like, Dick, you know I got you, no? I got you. He always remembered. He never gonna let you live it down. No. It took the guy seven years, man, to get one dump. So he was so happy, man. To me, I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know, to a shot blocker, you know, they, they some got to get through, but many of them don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, right? But, uh, that like was the one thing I learned to respect once I got to the league and learned about the, 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 the blockers. <laughs> I was like, especially Zoe, because I was like, you know, like, because I remember D.Y. you said all the time, Zoe get mad, somebody say something. Zoe started looking at like, boy, you know how I many I didn't put up out of here? Like, somebody going to get through. I go at everything. I don't Every let nothing day. not come in here and contest it. I say, that's true, though. When you start thinking about it like that, like, you only need seven years to get you one time? Like, <laughs> you, you getting a pretty good percentage. I, I feel like that's what a great shot blocker becomes, where they don't care about the last play, they looking for the next no. block. You know what I'm saying? Looking for the next block. That's the dope thing about being a shot blocker, Q, which you might not know nothing about. But we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> but uh, but uh, <laughs> if you're a great shot blocker, you always got to remember that you're not going to catch everybody. Yeah. Bill yeah. Russell told me that before I got to the NBA. He said, son, you're going to get dunk. Trust me. But... You want to prevent as many shots as you can, as possible. So I knew what what I have to do. Yeah. But Michael got me only one time. <laughs> but everybody in the NBA history, they don't think how many black shots I got for Michael. They remember only one time that he talked. Right. I went to the bank today. Yeah. As I was coming up, they do walk to me say. Yeah, I saw the last dance, Michael Duncan. <laughs> hey, you can't even go to the bank without somebody bringing it up to you, man. I'm in the all the family. I made all the all star team. I made one of the great difference players. People remember only one time I got dunk. Like I didn't block no shot. Only I got dunk one time by Michael. <laughs> So the the 76ers had Allen Iverson who's was being scoring champ or top three score every year. Yes. Great great coach. Yeah, great guys, great guys to work with. Great, great coaching, Bubba Larry Chuck. Brown. The what they was missing was that defensive piece. They had all the offense in the days because Allen Iverson gonna <laughs> score all the point. But they needed that defense to stop the other team from scoring. Like when you got traded there, you fed you you came in, it was just like perfect. Like it did nothing fuck perfect. up. They instantly became a title contender right away. It wasn't just about making the playoffs off Al and scoring. It's about shit. We can get a chance to win it and win this win this title. Like how was the get on that team? That defensive player of the yeah. year aspect. Yeah, how to get yeah, on quick, remember when we played in the All-Star game in DC mm -hmm. in two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. Yeah. Yeah. And um after the game, no, in the fourth quarter, after we made the comeback. The comeback. The Eastern comeback, made yeah, the comeback. The, yeah. I think I Great ever, game. Yeah, I had Marbury, Marbury, Iverson. Yes. Jason Kidd. I ended up with like 31 <laughs> rebounds. Yeah, so, yeah. And about seven blocks on Coach Larry Brown look at me at the third quarter. He said, son, 
That's his you story. are coming with me. Okay. <laughs> I'm coming to get you now. I'm coming to get you I right away. As soon as I get back home. This is the middle of the top mouth. He said, you're coming with me. Everybody was like, where you, where you guys are going? <laughs> look, said, no, look. you're coming with me in Philly. So I thought it was a joke. I was like, okay, maybe coach like me. He said, no. If I'm going to make to the championship, you the one who's going to take us. And the air was, I said, coach, yes, he's coming with us. The next day, the phone rang. I was in Philadelphia. <laughs> so would that be considered tampering or something like that? That, 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 that didn't even exist back That didn't exist back then. Coach Brown was just talking. Y'all was just talking and talking. <laughs> so oh. I flew after the game to LA with the Atlanta Hawks because we was playing the Lakers two days later. And I was trying to get on the bus. I was leaving the hotel to go get on the bus. I was the last one. I see the trainer, Wally, uh, Wally Blaze walked to me. Wally said, Dikembe, coach need to talk to you. I was like, why, because I'm late? <laughs> oh no, you're not late. Uh, I said, why? Because I'm the last one on the bus. They said, no. So I think the coach said, go check in your room. There's a voice message for you. But uh, we have to go. Go back to your room. What? I said, I said the game is in a two hour and a half. <laughs> I said, no, you go back to your room. You're not playing tonight. I said, Coach, what do you mean? Why, when they close the door, the bus gone. So I didn't get a chance to say bye to my teammate or nothing. The bus was really, gone. So they didn't give you an explanation. They told you to go listen to the voicemail. Yes. I went back <laughs> to my room. What? And there was a voice message in my, my room, my hotel room. I listened and said, Dick, you've been trained to uh, Philadelphia. I always ask this question. I know we're talking about MBS business, but sometimes you wonder why do they treat people sometimes like that? Just talk That's to me. crazy. That's, That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> like kicked you off the bus, wouldn't tell you. Like he could have just told you, like, yo, man, we they traded you. It wasn't my call. Like, what? like they just <laughs> told crazy. you go listen to the voicemail. I ain't gonna be the bearer of bad news. I ain't saying it. Go yeah. go listen to the voicemail. You too big man. for me to tell you this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Hey, man, I went there was like, you being trained. So I called my agent, David Fuck. I said, David, what's going on? Oh, uh, Dick, I'm sorry. I just got a call. You being trained to the seventy six. But I was happy because Larry Bryan told me you're coming with me, so I knew that. Well, yeah, that was the, that was a good comfort zone, knowing that at least where I am going, you know, he want me really bad, at least. So when you got there right the right away, did you see it was like, oh yeah, something special? We can really kind of really do something. When y'all, cause y'all start playing team, y'all no. start beating. Oh, you know what? There was a great team. There was number one in the East Eastern Conference. Um, they have won more games than anybody. Uh, they was playing so well. Air was scoring like crazy. Um, I knew that there was a perfect place for me to be in. I was going to fit with the system. 
Mm -hmm. I don't have to shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. All I have to go is get a ribbon and put back mm -hmm. because I know AI is going to shoot everything. <laughs> and the back end, all I have to do is just a uh, black shot yeah. and so we can win. So yeah. I know what I was on. Yeah. You, you shut shit down. You shut shit all down. All I have to do is just this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going go, going into the y'all y'all played Kobe and Shaq now at the, at yes. the finals. Like I feel like Shaq was being so dominant in the league, you played him better than anybody could play him. Like it's yeah. you got to be a brave man to put your face in there and let that <laughs> bow swing around. When that nah, against was, this was this was <laughs> peak, peak that, Shaq. Like yeah, when you swing that when he turned swing that bow for your face to be right there, you <laughs> a brave man to even attempt that. That finals. And y'all winning that first game. I remember that first game y'all won. Y'all went off. Oh, like, man. That was great, like, man. How, how was that game for you? Remember that first game that y'all played, game one, when y'all beat them in L.A.? We knew that uh, we didn't have the ability to beat them. So, defensively, we were better. Offensively, we knew that we have AR. All we have to do is set as many pick and roll to get him loose, and uh, he was going to get the shot. And uh, Taro and I just had to crush the ball and get a rebound. And then uh, we did that. I always believe we should have won the game, too, because we was up by 10 yes, with two you were. minutes left. Yes, you were. Yeah. With two minutes left. They snuck that one. Shot <laughs> fell out. Then uh, I don't know what happened. Something have, have happened. And uh, Coach Brian was like, Dick, I think the game is over. I'm going to take you out, save you for game three. Because Shaq is not there. Let somebody else play. We win this game. As soon as I came to sit on the bench with like one minute and 40 some seconds, our late brother, Kobe Bryant, Push the ball down, score three three pointer on the roll, boom boom boom, right away. The yeah. game was done. We was we was up by one. I was like, coach, I need to go back in. <laughs> oh no, 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 we got it, we got it. Boom, we lose the ball again, and they went and scored, and we lost again. Mm. Listen, and I always speak. say, if we had beat them that two games, maybe it was a chance for me to win a championship. Mm, right. So you you spoke on it. You said you said that you knew all you had to do was this 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 right here, right? Tell me no, where no, that no. originated. Where, where did that come from? When did you like? What made you start doing it? And and just what was the or, origin of that? <laughs> uh, it's legendary. Came, it's iconic now. When I came to the league, I knew I was a different forces. Mm -hmm. Because the way I was approaching the game every given night, with a mission and with a purpose, the purpose was to stop anybody that was coming to the basket. And my mission was to win. And every time I would block start, uh, but people were still coming in trying to put a little bit on me. <laughs> Then uh, I used to shake my head every time I would block the shot. Mm. 
<laughs> then I said, man, fuck this. Those guys are not listening to me. <laughs> Maybe start giving them the finger work. Yeah. Victory. And uh, I'll tell you what. I lost a lot of money in that finger work, man. I got so many technical files. <laughs> but the, the, the no thing- referee will kick me out of the game. They'll be like, Dick, if you do that, we kick you. We, you get a tech. I will get a tech, the first tech. Then I will do that again. They'll be like, please stop. Please stop, <laughs> man. We don't want to kick you out of the game. Oh. Is it true? Like you say, you got technicals for it. Did they try and ban it or stop you from doing the finger wave like uh, the league? The league tried to ban it. My father did ban it, but I didn't stop. <laughs> uh, I was right getting on. a call all the time with the commissioner, David, and he would call me back. Tikembe, what did that tell you? Stop, stop, stop. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, David, it's already on my blood. It's on my system. I cannot stop. Yeah. And a uh, couple of years later, he was like, do you know what? Forget about it. You just keep doing it. There's no, there's no <laughs> point at the player. Like, to see, you know, from that, to see, like, young kids from Congo, like Sergi Baca, do this. Be smart. Yeah, be your now. boy, everybody. Yeah, yeah to, to, to see young kids come up, you know, to do that. And and do it and get it from you, somebody that started this shit. Like, how do you feel to see the next generation still keeping the love and and keeping that tradition going? Uh, I think it bring a lot of love to me and make me appreciate my contribution to the NBA, my contribution to this game. That uh, I play this game with a lot of passion, with a lot of love, and. Uh, I left so much admiration to so many people in the generation to come. And uh, so many of those young people who came after us, they tried to copy a few things that I did when I was in the NBA. Uh, It's the same thing I did. Uh, I was able to copy a lot of things Bill Russell, Patrick Ewing, Akim Alajwan, David Robinson, uh, Karim Abdul-Jabbar, I took the whole shot from Karim Abdul-Jabbar. You cannot play in, it in a professional league in any level without copying any, somebody who came before you. Exactly. Don't let nobody fool you that my brothers will say that, oh, I create my own game. No, you didn't create your own game. No. You pick up from somebody who left. Yeah. Yes. So that's the way it is. Like, uh, what I love about your career so much, like, man, every team you went to, you fit in so perfect. And it was like like a reinvention. Not like you ain't did nothing before, but it was like every team from New Jersey to New York to even Houston when you got there with y'all. It was like, it was always like a reinvention of you, like a new start, but coming in as one of the best players in this league. Like, how was it, you know, I, I know you, you journeyman for a few years through New Jersey, through New York, got to Houston. But every year, it's like you fit in so perfect. And defense always fit in perfect when you taking care of you the front lining, right? It, it took me a while to realize that through your career in the NBA, there's no insurance that they give it to you saying that, quit. 
Mars, you gonna play only for the Phoenix side. Nobody yeah. knows where you're gonna finish. Yeah. Nobody ever been drafted. First, you don't know where you're going when you go, go to the draft. Mm. And you don't know where you're going to finish. So I was those type of player who really didn't understand that very well after what did happen to me in Denver. I thought I was like, if you are so good, why do you have to be trade? Why do you have to transfer somewhere? It took me a couple of years to understand that. That when I realized that my job as the game of Mutombo was to play basketball, but to play basketball where? In the NBA. It was not just to play basketball here, here, here. It was to have a job because, as you know, we love our job. All we want to do to be able to wake up the next day, know that we have a job and we can get paid and feed our family. So I, knew, I came to the point to understand that no matter where I go, as long as I'm doing what they're asking me to do, I'll be fine yeah. with my teammate. I just need to go and be nice, go hard on practice, yeah. and let the coaches make a decision. Yeah. And I did that. I ended up leaving a love to almost all of the coaches that coached me. So yeah. I, I'm lucky, man. Speak, speak on, speak on. How, how was it to, to when you play with the Rockets with that, with that team with T Mac and Yao, and like you were forty years old, coming off the bench, still averaging ten rebounds off the bench behind Yao, limited action, still, still smacking stuff up out of there, and you had the oldest, you the oldest person to get twenty two rebounds in the game at forty ever. Like, how, how was that experience with the Rockets toward the end of your career, and you got to play with? Prime T-Mac, Prime, yeah. Oh, that was the best time, man. I don't know why I love my last five years in Houston better than any place. I think because I was old and I was running with young people, it's like, it's like grandpa with his grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> And they wasn't asking. They wasn't asking you to do it too much. You yeah, had somebody in front of you. You come in and do your thing in short time and then go back and chill out. Yes. It was good time, man. T-Mac is a great guy, great teammate. Y'all is the best. Um, we remain friends until today, man. I love those guys. I love them. You, you came in studying medicine. Then to, yes. To build a hospital, like... At, your, to, at home, to build a hospital at home, knowing what your people going through and all that stuff, to build a hospital at home, it's like you, you came in to medicine to study it. You finna build a center where all the medicine can be provided for anybody. Like, how did that make you feel to, to get a hospital and build a hospital at home? And you got to name it after your mom. Straight up. Um, yeah. Um, That's the ultimate cherry on top. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, in 97, going to 98, uh, there was a civil arrest back in the Congo. Then uh, my mom was not feeling well. So my dad was trying to get my mom to the hospital that was like 10 minutes away. Uh, but the soldiers told my mom, my dad, to go back in the house because 
there were so many shooting on the street. They don't want, they didn't want nothing to happen to my father. Yeah. So my father said, hey, my wife is not feeling well. We got to get to the hospital. But to make the story short, my dad get back in the house. My mom ended up passing away in the living room. So with all those circumstances of life, I realized that I have to do something. Then I asked myself a question. I came to America to study medicine in a journey that one day I would become a doctor and go back home to Africa to practice. Now I'm in the MBA, making million, million dollars. And people are dying back home because of lack of medicine, lack of treatment, of lack of healthcare center. Want to just build a hospital and make a difference. So I started looking inside myself. What can I do? How would I do that? So I did have a cousin who welcomed me in Washington, D.C. So I went to see him. I said, Doc, Dr. Lewis, I'm interested about building the hospital back home because I always want to become a doctor. It will be a nice thing for me to build something to take care of all those women and children that died in Africa. And my cousin was like, if it's your calling, if that's something you want to do, I will support you. With my experience being a doctor, I will help you make sure that you achieve your goal. And then he joined me on my journey and I went and built this hospital that have treated more than 600,000 women and children, which I'm very proud of. Uh, the team that I have in the Congo, uh, as we are talking today, in the next couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to start the construction of the brand new school in Congo in the memory of my father. So I'm building a $3.5 million school that goes from a kindergarten to 12th grade. That's, so that's amazing, man. So and the school, the school will open in September 2021. So I'm so excited that with what I'm doing in this world and wow. the difference that I'm making. That's why the blessings are here. Like for you. Now you're a Hall of Famer. This game that you didn't know nothing about and so forth. Oh, and they, they, the Kim Bay Matomo, a Hall of Famer, so well deserved. Uh, wish we can give it to you soon as you finish, you announce your retirement, you know you're supposed to get it right away. But you're a Hall of Famer to put Hall of Fame in front of your name. You Hall of Fame with the Kim Bay Matombo. Like, how did that feel to? to be in there with all them greats that you just strive and worked hard to, to be like, like your brother. Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe when my name was called out that uh, I was part of the class. Yeah. Uh, 2015, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm a freshman. Yes. It doesn't happen to so many guys. No. Sometimes you have to wait a couple more years for you to get it. There's people who wait for 20, 30 years to get it. But yeah. I got caught on the first one. Yeah. I was exactly. like, 
I thank God, man. Yeah. There's nobody else. I thank God for all of the blessing um, for maybe to be who I am. And uh, I thank my teammates because, as you know, basketball is not a sport that you can play by yourself. Yeah, exactly. you have to have good teammates, man. People yeah. who believe in you, who will walk on a basketball court with you and go and win. Because we win with five guys and we lose with five guys on a basketball court. And so I always thanks everyone on my teammates that I play with. I thanks my coaches, and uh, don't forget, we always have to thanks our trainers. God yeah. will take care of us before Keep we got body to right. Yeah, yeah. Body right, right, man. Keep the bodies right. So, <laughs> so I shows. thank all those people. This, this, this is what I want to add. Like, everything, all of the different things you've accomplished, you know what I'm saying, basketball, you got, you know, uh, you speak nine languages, you you know what I'm saying, got different degrees and, and things like that, but... Where did you get the passion to become the 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 huge humanitarian? Like you say, you you built the hospital. You right now you are building a school, and you you've taken so much of your own personal and giving back to the Congo and di just different charities. Every time I look up, like I see you with all of the NBA events, I feel like no, I'm serious though. Like I say this in a in a in a in an admirable way. Like I always see like Dikembe is always doing something and it's always for the betterment of somebody else and it's always some positivity. And it's like you got one of the you know most huge hearts and when it comes to giving back and trying to help other people. Where do you think you got that from? And I mean we we look at it and you inspire us and we salute you and we we say thank you for, for doing all that you do for all that you impact and I know those people that receive those impacts really really are thankful for you so where do you think that comes from? Oh uh, I thank my mother and my father too um, I think it was something they gave it to me as a child yeah. they taught me so well about thinking about other people and uh, my mom, every time, even though we grew up so poor, my dad was a teacher, made $38 a month. Um, my mom was like a housewife, but in the evening, he'd be selling sodas or something in the corner of the street so he can make extra $2 or $3 to feed her kids. And my mom, every time she would cook in the evening, even there's other kids in the neighborhood that don't have no food. They will come over our house and eat. And those are the things I took from my parents. And uh, when I got blessed to play the game that we all love in the NBA, to make all the money, I said, I need to find a way to bless other people who are not in my shoes. And uh, just to leave an impact in this world that we are living in. And uh, the NBA gave me the platform to call all the people who are successful to join me in my journey and to make me, to help me do what I want to do. Because I don't do all the work that I do around the world by myself. I always go with different friends who got good heart and I say, hey, 
do you think you can give $1 million for something I want to do here? Can you do half a million? Can you do 50,000? Can you do 10,000? So you call all those people, like with the school I'm building, I'm not putting my money. People are putting money in to help me go do something for the poor people because they believe in me. They know that if we give this money to Dikeme Mutombo, he will get it done mm-hmm. like he did with his hospital. So it's Those about some trust, really, man. really good friends you have there to be able to call. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I need to be able to call me upon and say, yo, let me get a million for this here over here and we going to hey, that's, get that's, it. That's, I tell you what, that's what I love about NBA, man. Uh, I think there's so many people who love to be in our shoes. But we need to use this platform correctly. Uh, there's so many people that we do touch our fans when they come to see us to find yeah. a way to develop a great friendship with them. Because when the game is over, you're becoming the boss. So you're becoming yeah. also a basketball exactly. fan. Then when you go back to that click, if you use that click very well, you can become successful. Yeah, absolutely. Straight up, you you fell in love with this ball. Now you got a son that's a top prospect that fell in love with the same ball that you fell in love mm-hmm. with. How do you feel about just seeing your blood, your, your baby boy, just falling in love with this game and, and starting to like it and be successful at it? I'm so proud of him. Um, he made me cry sometimes. I watch him in the game. I just sit there and say. Keep going, yeah, man. Keep chasing your dream. I think he's gone for a long time. He wants to be better than me. And uh, my job is to make sure that he gets there. Uh, that's why I do what I do every day. Make sure I'm pushing him. Make sure that he's eating what he's supposed to eat. He's lifting weight. He's, yeah. he's going to the gym, work out with the coaches. He's at the gym right now. He left since two o'clock. He have not come back yet. So, yeah, loving that ball, loving that ball. That's what. That's what yeah, we man. We love that ball. We have to support them. Yeah. When yeah. our children want to get to the game and be successful, we need to push them. We need to walk with them. Make sure they get there where they want to go. Yeah, yeah. I've been wearing a size eighteen shoe since I was in seventh grade. Oh, you, you got small feet. My, uh, my shoe. My, wait, wait, he no, said no, you got finish. small feet. <laughs> my, my shoe size, you know, me being 12 years old wearing an 18 and all that stuff, like I didn't heard all the, all the big feet jokes there was. <laughs> like, man, but I know your foot is a little bit bigger than mine, so. I wear 22. I'm in the 18, it's not easy. I'm trying to tell them that, like, it's not dress shoes. There's only one that. place you can buy your shoes, it's Friedman. Friedman, you uh, already Friedman's know where we in get the A. <laughs> Friedman's in the A. Shout out Friedman's in the A. I still got a pair of shoes in there. You know, us big feet people, you know, once we get yeah. a pair of shoes, we can't fuck them up like that. We got to keep them because we might not get another Oh, yeah, pair. you keep 
Remember for a long time. <laughs> long time. I got some of those shoes I wear like for five years or six years. My <laughs> wife be like, oh, why are you wearing that shoes again? Did you wear that last year? I said, what's wrong with my shoes? <laughs> <laughs> straight up, straight up. <laughs> Hey, this is what I want to ask, OG. So, you know, you coming from 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 Africa and, you know, very humble beginnings, not having a whole lot. When you got to the NBA and you started getting them millions, right? I know you did things to take care of the family, but I, I got to hear something that you did for yourself. Something that you was like, I'm about to go, I got to uh, go get something nice or treat myself one time. Uh, what did, what did OG Mutombo, what did Mount Mutombo go splurge on as a young boy? I did myself uh, 20 years ago when I was still in the league of domain I always have a dream about living in big mansion big house and um, I got it done in 2000 <laughs> uh, I was driving in Atlanta one day after practice um uh, our late brother, uh, Lorenzo Wright. You remember Wright. Lorenzo Wright? Yeah, yeah, with yeah, me, right. you know? yeah. Yeah, and after practice, uh, our late friend told me, said, Dick, there's this big house being built in the neighborhood, man, where I live. I think that house looks like you fit it. <laughs> so I, because we always talk about whose house is bigger than the other. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. After practice, he said, no, just follow me. I'll show you the house. And soon then we drove by the house it's been built. I was like, oh my gosh. That's mine right there. <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Dick, he said, oh, no, it's not for you to buy. I just want to show you. I said, no, I'm buying this house. <laughs> and I drove inside and people were still walking there. I said, who's building this house? And the guy was standing there said, I am. I said, is anybody buying it? He said, no. I told the guy, I said, I'm buying the house. Just there on the spot. <laughs> I said, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to finish it. And I'm going to live here to the rest of my life. Mm. That's where I am. Oh, that's boss. What's up. that's dope. And then when I retire, I said I played the NBA for 18 years. But it's always good to buy a beautiful car that you can drive for a long time after you retire. So I spent a little bit of money. I bought myself a nice beautiful Phantom four doors. Okay. I said, I <laughs> okay. Okay. So he with the suicide, talk, suicide doors with the suicide. He can talk. Be mad. He can talk that Rolls Royce talk with you. He can talk that Rolls Royce talk with you. Be mad. Y'all that rule. I know. Y'all double up, boys. Well deserved for a Hall of Famer. Well deserved. So everybody, even my kids, said, "Daddy." Are we driving your retirement car? They call it a retirement car. <laughs> yes, yes. All the kids and that car, I drive it once a week. It doesn't leave the house. Straight up on Sundays, huh? 
<laughs> That's Sunday's best That's right Sunday's there. That's Sunday's best right there. We're going to go to church and everything with this. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all yeah. can't wear nothing but your good clothes in here. Y'all can't get in here in regular outfits. Uh, hey, put these scuffies on. You can't get my carpet, my fur on my carpet wrong. You, you know? cannot eat inside my carpet. You, you already know that. <laughs> you you already... cannot drink. All the kids know, even the wife know that. You cannot eat or you cannot drink nothing in my car. You can't drink that in the rose, baby. No. <laughs> they say, no, that's daddy car. Nobody mess with it. All right, man, that's a wrap, man. This has been huge, man. We got our OG, Mr. Dikembe Mutombo. Oh. There it is, Mr. No, No, No himself, Pride of the Congo. All the yeah, famer, all the famer. <laughs> yes, sir, man. We appreciate this, OG, man. This was, this is you, one of the ones we look up to, man. We grew up watching and um, we admire. And this, this was, this was awesome for you to pull up with us like this, man. We appreciate you. I appreciate, guys. Thank you so much for having me, man. And uh, I want you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Wish you all the uh, the success. Stay away from the bubble. Stay away from the bubble. I got you. Uh, we quarant- this That's why this quarantine season. We staying our ass at home. <laughs> yeah, we got, we, we got them towers keeping us connected. We ain't got to go close. We connected with that 5G. Thank you. Players Tribute.com